Welcome to Creating Space for Grief and Hope with Advanced Grief Recovery Specialist Holly Gainsborough and Creative Grief Coach Elizabeth Catagnani. Here you'll find support, wisdom, stories, and practical tools for your unique healing journey. This is where grief and hope coexist and empower us as we heal and grow. And now, your hosts, Holly and Elizabeth. Hi, and welcome to Creating Space for Grief and Hope. This is Elizabeth, Certified Grief Recovery Specialist and founder of Her Creative Wellness. I'm here with my co-host, Holly. Hey there, Holly. Hi, Elizabeth. It's always so great to be with you and to share this episode with you. Hey, everyone. This is Holly, founder of Golden Heart Grief Support and Education. I am also, like Elizabeth, a grief recovery specialist as well as a grief educator. We are happy to have you here and introduce this episode, Embracing the Chaos. When life doesn't follow our expected path, you know, our dreams, hopes, and expectations, which sometimes veer off the way we thought they were going to be. And a great example I want to share with you, Elizabeth and I were going to record yesterday, this episode, and I had a griefy day. That's what I call them, griefy days. And it's a great example of the chaos of the lack of control, not feeling in control. And I text Elizabeth and I said, can we please reschedule to tomorrow, which is today that we are now recording. And what came up for me, listeners, and Elizabeth, we really haven't had a conversation about this. You just knew I was kind of in this wonky space. So May 1st begins Brain Tumor Awareness Month. And for those of you who have been listening, you know that my late husband, Stephen, died of a brain tumor um, almost 12 and a half years ago. And I emphasize the 12 and a half years because even 12 and a half years later, my grief is activated. And so it was yesterday. You know, I, I did a big post on social media and that stirred some things up for me. I also had learned on um, Sunday evening that a high school friend, an acquaintance really more, died from a brain tumor on Sunday night. I knew he had been diagnosed about a year or so ago. But all that activated me. And what I needed to do for myself, and I'm thankful for Elizabeth and holding space for me and understanding that yesterday, was my own self-care. I knew I wasn't in the heart or head space to record. I knew I needed to honor where I was, and I wasn't going to bright side it. I wasn't going to do the at least or anything else. I was going to let myself feel it. And we're going to go over different tools that we can use, all of us. Uh, Elizabeth and I use them and continue to use them and want to guide you listeners on how to use them. But this is just a really big reminder that even Elizabeth and I, who are professionals at this, we hit, we hit those speed bumps. And sometimes we just got to slow down and I needed to slow down yesterday. So what did I do yesterday when I took a walk? I cried on my walk. I cursed out brain tumors. And I needed to get to that space and, again, reschedule today. And then last night, I'm an HGTV fan, and I started watching old HGTV episodes that I hadn't seen before. I'm really into Nate and Jeremiah these days. And it really brought me this sense of peacefulness. So we're going to go deeper into this, but I wanted to share with all of you that even we have those moments and even we need to learn to embrace the chaos and that lack of control and find that path 
and honoring ourselves and where we are. And that's why we do these episodes. This is what brought us to do this work, not only to work one-on-one with grievers and support groups, but to do this podcast. Because not everybody has the ability to meet with people. And we want to just be present for you and hold that space for you. So thank you for indulging me and sharing my story and what happened yesterday. And, you know, there are other losses that take us off our path. And if you go back to listen to episode five, you'll hear about those in the secondary losses episode. So it's not just death. It can be divorce. It can be relationship breakups. It can be a diagnosis, job loss or change, financial changes, estrangement, military deployment. Having kids and watching our kids grow up and the changes and the shifts that happen because their needs change and their developmental, you know, models change, schedules change, all sorts of things. So when these happen and that lack of control happens, where are we going to seek that control and what are we going to do for ourselves? Right? So that's, so that's what happened yesterday, Elizabeth, for me. And again, thank you for holding that space for me. Oh, I, I really appreciate you sharing, you know, that you simply needed that space and time and it was an honor to be able to give that to you as well and support you how I could. But, so thank you for being open with where you were because you, you have my heart <laughs> with that. So one story that I was going to share along the line of lack of control and when your world feels like it's just crumbling around you and you're not sure how to to find any sense of control within yourself was when I went through the loss of my son. And when he was stillborn, I just can still remember to this day this incredible sense of helplessness and guilt and all of the plans and dreams that I'd had for our future with him. When those disappeared, I just felt completely lost. And I, I ended up, after my husband died, also having the same kind of situation where I felt, okay. I have way less control in this life than I, I previously imagined. You know, those grief experiences will truly wake you up to how little control we truly have other than what we can do for ourselves. And after my late husband died, I had to pick up and move and leave behind the life I created with him and move completely to another state where I could be near family. And, you know, I'd felt, you know, I was in my mid-20s, so I was at a place where I felt very independent and very, you know, I'd started my own family and we were doing life together. And, you know, I I didn't feel like I really needed to rely on people a lot. And so this was a huge shift for me in allowing people to step in like my sisters and my, my parents and other friends or family that wanted to be there and allowing them to help me along the way. That was a huge sense of meaning to surrender to the situation and surrender is is a word that I have used a lot since my initial losses, those huge losses, because it really is a constant practice in having to do that. And, but just learning that, you know, shifting our ideas around what is enough at the end of the day, because I was able to find gradually small pieces of control in the little things that I would do for myself, whether that was taking a walk outside, getting in the shower, (laughs) just changing, getting coffee, those minute details that we usually take for granted during the day uh, when we're going through huge transitions or life losses, those accomplishments are are truly huge and and should be acknowledged. And they do help us reconnect with ourselves in a way that we feel like, okay, at least I have control over this. And accepting that 
even those little things during the day, especially if you're in very early stages of grief, that those are enough. And that because underneath that is this idea of, am I enough if I'm not constantly, you know, producing something or creating or living up to these expectations that we might set for ourselves. It's coming back to allowing ourselves to be in the circumstances that we're in and learning to embrace rather than fight against the things that we can't control and learning some flexibility. So these are life lessons that we can certainly carry through all sorts of situations in life. And a lot of that stems from going through grief and and really learning those things. In, the, in those experiences. Yeah, you know, you, a couple of words really pop out at me. Surrender. You know, how do we just surrender? And sometimes we just have to say the word to surrender. And in some ways, when we say that word, those were I surrender, it's a kind of a release. We don't have to carry it all by ourselves. And that you were able to then Go to your family and surrender some of that. You know, yeah, you're in your 20s and you're a strong, independent woman, you know, in this seemingly obvious path. And then it just shifts so suddenly and so tragically. The other word that you shared was enough. Being enough. And I think we, especially women, um, and I don't want to be so gender specific, but that needing to be enough, needing to believe we can do it, you know, and it brings me back to one of those, you know, misinformation we're given about grief very early on, which is to be strong. You know, we have to be enough. We have to be strong. We need to be able to do it all. And when we can't, that chaos, that lack of control um, does just almost feels like it smothers us. And it's so untrue. And one of the things, if you listen, if you get this feeling that you're not enough, that you need to be strong, and all of those things, just take a moment. And with that, I surrender. Ask, is it true? Am I really not enough? Am I really not strong? Or do I really need to be all those things? And where did those messages come from? Why do we believe that? And it's so important. And, and I really appreciate you sharing. All of that, Elizabeth, you know, this authenticity of who you are, you know, with Tookie dying and then Brian dying and this major change at a very young age. I mean, nobody's equipped for it anyway, but in your 20s, there's no way to be equipped for it. And you found your way and here you are proof positive and sharing your story and, and letting everybody hear and be inspired by that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I think about for me after Stephen died, and I shared enough of my you know, the story of yesterday with people, but when Stephen died, it was just enough to just get up and get dressed, you know, take my daughter to school, get the paperwork done, all those secondary losses that we talk about, you know, getting the bills paid, calling Social Security, you know, health insurance, all of that is really hard because that is chaotic. It is the best way to describe it. It is chaotic. And it's really hard to surrender some days. And yet when you say it, boy, is that healing. You know, so just brushing your teeth. (laughs) Pat yourselves on the back, listeners. If you got up this morning and you brushed your teeth, 
high five yourself. Some days that's just really hard. You know, putting on clean yoga pants, getting out of bed, doing all of that, you know, is so, it's just so important. And it's valuable. And you're valuable. And you don't have to do it all. And you don't have to get it all done in one day. You know, it's moment by moment. Make a list. If you check two things off your list, you again, high five, self-hug. So important. And I know that you have some great reminders, you know, some tools of what else we can do during these times of that chaos and lack of control. Yes, definitely. And some tools that you can use during these times of chaos or feeling out of control. One is simply being kind to yourself. And this can be very difficult, unfortunately, for a lot of us. We're way more understanding, I feel like, with those that we love than we are with ourselves, our friends and family. We tend to give them a little more grace than we typically give to ourselves. So practicing that kindness on yourself daily. Uh, And that also goes with treating yourself as you would a friend or even a stranger. Uh, We are usually the hardest on ourselves because we spend the most time with ourselves. (laughs) So we can be the most critical. (laughs) Uh, Being mindful of your self-talk is extremely important. It's very easy. I'm guilty of this. I know we all are of going to that negative, you know, just... And that can just continue on and on and spiral very quickly if we're going into that negative self-talk. So turning that around if you catch yourself and, again, just practicing that, that simple kindness in the moment. Also doing mirror work, which is basically looking at yourself in the mirror. And as Holly was mentioning earlier, you can high-five yourself. I actually did that today after my I did a really hard workout today, so I high-fived myself in the mirror after that one. Uh, naming your accomplishments, no matter how big or small, whether that's, oh, I got, I got dressed today or I had a healthy breakfast this morning. And also affirmations. I've always been a big fan of affirmations. Sometimes they're actually taped to my mirror or my cabinet or my dashboard or anywhere while I know I'll see them on a regular basis. And those can just be little post-it notes that you can remind yourself and also placing your hands on your heart and just saying, I am okay, I am safe, I am loved, and just allow that to soak in and sink into your body. And also hugging yourself. And I really like that one. I don't think I hug myself enough. We need to do that more. (laughs) Hug ourselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's, it's very soothing and it brings you, you know, it calms the nervous system and brings you right into the present. So those are some simple little reminders and tools that you can use any time of the day, any place. Yeah. You know me, I'm big into mirror work and, um, and I'm big into hugging myself. I hug myself every night before I go to sleep and I hug myself reminding myself of who I am and what I did during the day whether it was something for me or for someone else. But I've, I've learned to do that. And there are other things, listeners, that you can do. Connecting with others. You know, we talk about this a lot in our episodes. Finding your safe people. Find those people and connect with them. Do something fun for yourself. You know, with all the things that have to get done, all those tasks that need to be accomplished, take some time out for fun. 
do something you enjoy, reward yourself. You know, HGTV for me, I've rewarded myself last night with that. Um, we're really into exercising, Elizabeth and I. It's really important but to keep the body moving. You don't have to be like a massive fitness person, but just taking walks. It doesn't have to be power walks, but just taking walks. Um, I like to run on occasion. You know, I like to use weights, you know, and all of that. Living that healthy lifestyle, getting the nutrients you need into your body, staying hydrated is a great way to take control during uncontrollable moments. And I can remember when Stephen was diagnosed and then after he died, there were certain things I, I felt very out of control. But decluttering was a really great way for me to feel like I had some sense of control and eating healthier and getting outside and, and moving my body. Meditation. You know, people sometimes get tripped up. I can't meditate. I can't calm my mind. I can't sit still that long. You don't have to sit, you know, in that position, you know, with your, you know, going home and mantraing. You don't have to do that. That's not just one way to meditate. You can take a walk and notice your surroundings. Like a silent walk. Notice the clouds. What are their shapes? How are they floating? Pay attention to the birds as they're chirping. Look at the leaves flowing and, you know, blowing in the wind. Notice the grass. Notice your footsteps with each step that they take on the pavement or the sidewalk or wherever you're walking, if you're on a track. Taking those moments is a great way to meditate. If you're in the shower, closing your eyes and feeling the water flowing over you. That's another form of meditation. I once had somebody who plays pickleball and said, well, I can't meditate. I said, you can meditate while you're playing pickleball. Notice the contact of the ball hitting the racket, your arm going back and swinging. That's connecting to yourself. That's another form of meditation. Give yourself timeouts. I gave myself a timeout yesterday. Give yourself a timeout and make sure you're getting enough sleep and rest. I know it's hard and sleep deprivation is so prevalent in the grief world. It's really hard to get to sleep or it's hard to stay asleep. So if you can't sleep or you can't stay asleep, get up. And just go sit quietly somewhere and close your eyes and just be peaceful. Reading, it's really great to take yourself out of your world for just a little bit, not avoiding where you are, but reading and getting into a little bit of an escape. Again, not escaping your situation, but just taking some time and reading, getting a fiction book, journaling. You know, Elizabeth and I are really into journaling, and, and Elizabeth actually has a fabulous journal book that she has written that you may want to look up. It's, it's wonderful. She has a great book also that she wrote um, during her grief journey. But journaling and doing, whether it's a gratitude journal, you know, about what you're grateful for, but not just what you're grateful for. Thinking about what you do. Being thankful for who you are. I'm thankful for being whatever it is you do. I'm thankful for being me. I'm thankful for having a heart-centered life. And any of those things, recognizing your gifts and who you are and what you bring, you know, and also therapy. You know, whether you find someone, and we are not therapists, Elizabeth and I, we are grief specialists. Finding a therapist or finding someone like us who understands this journey. And those are just some action steps. You know, and another thing um, that if you feel like you don't, you don't have control, the best way to recognize that you do is to make a big circle, like a hula hoop, and write inside it all the things you have control over. 
you will be surprised at what you do have control over. And then you can write outside the circle, maybe a little bubble, what you don't have control of, and recognize that it's beyond your control. It's not part of your scope. And let that go and stay in your circle, stay in your hula, as my therapist says, stay in your hula hoop. I love that idea. I love the hula hoop idea. Uh, and as Holly was saying, you know, just getting outside, nature is so incredibly healing. Uh, I take regular walks as well. And sometimes just sitting by a lake and watching the birds or the turtles or, you know, just just letting that, you know, infiltrate you, that peace, watching these animals just live and be in the moment <laughs> reminds us, you know, that we're also in the moment. And also just maybe tidying up loose ends can make a big difference in your day. You know, maybe you have some paperwork that you need to get finished or just little tasks that you've been wanting to check off your list. Uh, those can also help give you a tiny sense of control or accomplishment. And even if that means handing over responsibilities to trusted family members or friends, sometimes when things just feel like too much, there's nothing wrong with reaching out and saying, you know, can you help me finish this task that I have in front of me? It just feels too overwhelming right now. And I had to do that a lot before. And I am very grateful that I did because I think it really saved my sanity in the long run. Because especially when we're in those, you know, if you're in your early grief journey and we have the, the fog that's there, it's just everything feels heavy. It's a lot more challenging to do things that normally we might be able to do at, at the drop of a dime. It's just everything becomes more, more uh, difficult. So handing over responsibilities when you can, can really help and alleviate uh, just that feeling of anxiety that can come with all that needs to happen and <laughs> needs to get done. Uh, also therapy, like, like Holly said, or this can also look like a support group, uh, coaching. There's so many wonderful options out there uh, to to support you. So definitely reach out to, to the resources um, that you have available because that's what they're there for. And uh, just setting small daily goals, you know, going back to the square one, you know, for me, even to this day, it's making a coffee. I start my day. I have a ritual. I get up in the morning uh, I've got kids to get to school early. I'm not a morning person <laughs> to begin with. So my sense of control in the morning, no matter how my day or my life is going, is if I can get that cup of coffee made and fill up my thermos, I, I, know, I'm, I know I'm winning <laughs> in that moment. So like this day has started. I have my coffee, you know, whether the sun's out or not, you know, I've accomplished something already. How about you, Holly? Do you have a, a ritual or something daily that you I, I do, turn to. I do. I mean, I think about back back in the time of my early grief 12 and a half years ago, you know, it was just getting dressed, you know, getting up, getting Leanna to school, those things, and, and getting something done that had to get done. Now my daily goals, you know, is I wake up and I say thank you for this day. You know, whatever the day is going to look like, I'm going to say thank you for this day. And my goal is to really exercise, to get out for a walk or a run, you know, every, during the week, every day, you know, or certainly to exercise every day, you know, and to get some of my grief work done, you know, going in and, and maybe even just listening, watching a webinar or something. Um, so those are some of my daily goals that, that I try to, you know, fulfill. And sometimes that I don't, and that's okay too. 
I will always show myself some grace. You know, I will find a way, to, you know, to pivot, you know, and that's the big thing. When we have something happen and we are feeling chaotic and our life feels chaotic and our control has been altered, what do we do? We need to find a way to pivot, you know, and we joke around. Um, we are both fans of the Friends show and that episode, if anybody that's listening watches Friends, with the episode where Ross gets the sofa and it's too big and he's too cheap to have it delivered to his apartment. So he's got, you know, Rachel and Chandler and they're trying to move the sofa and it won't get around the corners because of the angles and the sofa, you know, the sofa obviously can't bend. And he's yelling, pivot, pivot. And I always think about that, you know, and our lives, you know, our daily lives, Sometimes we just got to pivot. And it's really hard to think of it when you're in that moment and you just, just think of Ross, pivot. You know, and how do we do that? How can we pivot when our lives are shifting in a direction we aren't prepared for? And we don't want, we don't want this grief. We don't want these losses. You know, so how do we do that? How do we run those edges and those curves, you know, when our dreams, hopes, and expectations have so dramatically changed? And again, we go back to, Elizabeth's word early on in the episode, surrender. I surrender, I surrender, I surrender, I surrender, I surrender. We don't have to carry it ourselves. We don't have to fix things right away. And it's okay to sit in the I don't know space. And part of that pivoting, which is what Elizabeth, you did, was to call upon family and friends for help. That is not something I have always been the best at um, for various reasons. But that's a huge way of pivoting, calling on others to help, finding a new way to do something, and that we don't have to carry this by ourselves. There are people who want to help you out there. They want to be asked. We'd like them to offer. Well, you know what? Why don't they just know? Because they don't. They're not living in your shoes. They're not living your experience. They want to help for sure. So just be in that space. And, you know, I hear so many people say this, those feelings of, I can't do this. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And that may be a really strong thing that's pulling and gnawing at you. But here's what we're here to tell you. You are doing this. You are. You're here listening. And that's doing something. Make a list of the things you do accomplish each day. Even if it's just one or two things like we've already talked about, the high-fiving yourself in the mirror. Pat yourself on the back. Treat yourself to a moment of peace, but take away from this. You are doing it. It may not be the way you thought you were going to do it, and it may not feel as comfortable as you would like it to be, but you're doing it. You're doing it. You're getting up every day, and you're doing it. The best of your ability in that moment. It's definitely about doing what we can and letting that be okay. Every day does not have to be your best. And besides, what does your best really mean to you? That can look different for everyone. And some days you may only be able to give 10% and that's okay. You are still enough. And no one is operating 100% all the time anyway. That's literally impossible. We are always, every day is a different energy. It's a different situation. Uh, That would be absolutely exhausting. So honoring your energy and your story by loving yourself no matter where you are on your journey is huge. So giving yourself uh, that permission 
to be where you are. And just remember, you know, you're not ever setting yourself up to do your worst. You know, typically we get up in the morning and we, we all strive to do our best we can. And that is enough. It is always enough. So I, I hope that you enjoyed this episode and took away some helpful tips and tools to help you through your day and through your journey. We thank you for joining us. Please remember to like, follow, and share this episode. And next month, we are going to be talking with our friend and producer, Cindy Bolero, about vision boarding. So we're very excited to have that conversation, and we hope you will join us. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Take care. Thanks, Holly. Thanks, Elizabeth.